I'm Jen. I'm Jack. And you're listening to The Devil Made Me Review It. We're just a couple of best friends who love scary movies. Especially when those movies are based on true events. Listen along as we dive into our favorite films, the classics we all love, and really, whatever we want. We'll tell you all about the paranormal claims made by the real-life subjects and debate whether or not it actually happened. It probably didn't happen. I knew you were going to say that. Listen, if you haven't seen whatever we're covering, pause and come back after watching because spoilers abound. That's right. Sit back and enjoy. The Devil Made Me Review It. Here we go. Episode (laughs) one. It's happening. We're doing it. Yay. What are we talking about today? We are talking about the conjuring the first one from 2013 yes i really enjoy this movie i don't i don't you don't it scared me i woke up in i woke up in the middle of the night last night and i could only see that witch's face because it looks like reagan from the exorcist and i could had to turn the light on (laughs) well let me let me tell you what happened to me last night Uh oh i so i watched the movie again and then i was doing uh, doing my research because I wait till the last minute to do everything. And I went to bed a little after midnight. I was just falling asleep and all of a sudden my alarm, my house alarm starts going off. Oh, no. And I wake up. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. I run out. I check the alarm box. It says that the motion sensor in the basement has been tripped. <gasps> but the door hasn't. None of the doors have been opened. So. I go in, Laura and Ralph, my wife and my dog, not not a not a flinch from either of them, both sleeping. So thanks for nothing, the two of you. <laughs> Ralph barks at everything. I like the he saw the mailman through the fence at the next door neighbor's house and went nuts today. <laughs> and I'm like the the alarm was going off and you slept through it. Like what it what what are you good for? <laughs> So I Love. turn on the light and I'm like, Laura, the alarm is going off. And she was like, what do you mean the alarm's going off? And I said, the alarm was just going off. I turned, I just turned it off, but something, the basement motion sensor was triggered. So I'm looking for something heavy to take with me down the stairs. You don't have a baseball bat? I have like a I baseball bat in my bed. I know. I got it. My dad's got one. He's got a Louisville slugger. I got to get one. What I should have gotten was a... um. Uh, cast iron skillet. That's what I'll grab next time. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's heavy, though. <laughs> It'll do some damage. It's, you're going to kill someone. So I end up um, uh, flick on the lights downstairs. Laura does the classic horror movie trope and goes, hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which I 100% made fun of her for. <laughs> and I can see at the bottom of the stairs that my gardening shears are down there. So I just book it so I can get to those. <laughs> Oh my god! I I'm looking around. There's nothing. I can't find anything. As as soon as home invasion has left my mind, I immediately think that there is a rodent of some kind. But the dog is downstairs. I've brought him with me. He's he's doesn't care. He's just like <laughs> milling around. So I calm down because I feel like if there really was anything rodent or otherwise, he would probably alert me to it. Yeah. Um, but it scared the hell out of me, and I realized after the fact that it was very likely a spider because i went over to the um 
to the motion sensor and there was a spider web in front of it. So I cleared the web and then saw on the wall a big giant spider. Oh. Just a spider crawled across it. And um, I did, I did kill that spider. <laughs> I smushed that spider because I was not going to be woken up again. So I'm very tired because I was up until about three in the morning because I couldn't get my heart rate to slow down. Did you ever once get a little creeped out because of all the stuff you'd been reading? Uh, yeah, but I think it again, I think my my, my mind always goes to home invasion first. Yeah, so I was just like, sure. someone is in my house. <laughs> People are scarier than ghosts. Real yeah. people, alive people. So it was very funny. I don't think it helped that I had been reading about paranormal activity. And <laughs> I have a cutoff time of like three o'clock in the afternoon. Like nothing spooky after that yeah. point. Oh, I mean, I watched I watched the movie during the day, but I was researching at night. And that was probably my downfall. Although I, research or not, I would have been freaked out. <laughs> I think the reason that I was so afraid of her in it, you know, because like your brain is not your brain at 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. It was because I was looking for Instagram photos. I was like, oh, yeah, let me look it up. And yeah. when I as soon as I like typed it in, the fucking bitch was there. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I hate her so much. She is very scary. I think that's why I do like the the first Conjuring movie in, in, in as far as the as far as the main trilogy thus far. Um, I haven't seen any of the spinoffs, but I like that one. I think that one is my favorite, and I think it's the scariest because they do have everything done up kind of in in a real way. They don't use a ton of special effects. There are some, but it's a lot of makeup. It's a lot of real, real effects, and I think that's what makes it scary. I agree with you. I think that it is the best one of things that are scary because it scared me and it scares mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. But I like the second one the best because it's the most fun. Yeah, fair enough. Th that's fair the enough. Enfield one. Yes. Do you have a quick summary of The Conjuring for us? I believe you told me you... I do. You had written a summary. Let's hear it. It's So the movie is set in 1971 and it focuses on the par parents. Is that the family? Mm -hmm. How do you say their name? Okay. Uh, so they move into a haunted farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Ed and Lorraine Warren are hired to investigate and get rid of the demonic presence. I mean, I don't think the family, they don't address it as a demonic presence, but that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, the spirit turns out to be Bathsheba, an accused witch who sacrificed her child to the devil and was cursed and cursed future residents of her home before committing suicide. So Bathsheba ends up possessing a doll named Annabelle, which everyone knows. And Ed tries to perform an exorcism to rid Bathsheba from the home. There you go. Yeah. Just lots of spoiler alerts. Yeah, if you I mean, listen, this movie came out <laughs> 2013. 2013. <laughs> this is eight years ago, friends. It's on you. It's on you. If you've decided to listen and you haven't watched. Do you have anything to add to that? No, that was it. I think you nailed it. <laughs> and this movie was based on i had been a little bit confused and thought that it was based on amityville because they do have that is, is the opening scene is yeah is amityville but then the rest of the movie is about the real life parent family in rhode island yeah yeah rhode island so weird you know what's funny is that the girl the people that own this house now and i'll post a picture on the instagram of the house she's on the daughter is on instagram her like parents own it or i'm sorry she's on Facebook or tiktok Did i say oh uh -uh, no dude it's still haunted oh yeah they you can go visit the house 
and you can spend the night there for $125 and they give you all uh, paranormal uh, investigative equipment is um, is included in the price. <laughs> And you basically can spend the night and you get to explore the house. It's over 3,000 square feet. Um, they have a barn also, and it's on eight and a half acres. And you can go and visit. I read a whole, I'll send you the article. We'll post the article in the show notes of um, a reporter from the Boston Globe um, who went with her sister. <laughs> it's wild. And <laughs> was very scared. Uh, yeah, yeah. And is not, and is like very much a skeptic. Her sister is a believer. And yeah, they, they said it was a very, very scary experience. Both of them? Yeah. Ooh, I do want to read that. Yeah, it's good. Um, so tell us a little bit, you have some research about, about the paranormal activity in the parent house. I do. Well, and what, what happened in the movie, right? Yeah. And what happened in the movie? Or Yeah. Well, I think I think most of it is like so the parent family they were real they lived in the farmhouse and they lived there for like 10 years the movie makes it seem seem like it's like you know a couple years and then they move out that was I think another reason why I thought it was Amity for a long time because it seemed like they were in the house for a short a short period and yeah I thought it was Amity was too happened. yeah so, so I maybe I mean it could be a combination too anyway sorry continue I think they do that with all of them. They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. take this, too. Yeah. Um, they actually fully supported the making of the films. And so did Lorraine Warren. Oh, OK. That makes sense. Because she was consulted on it. So Andrea, one of the daughters, wrote a book about the family's experience called The House of Darkness. But House of Darkness, House of Light. Mm. Not a great, not a great, uh, not a great title. <laughs> it's not, not super catchy. <laughs> No, that's a okay. Little, little it's clunky, a little clunky. So the haunting experience: there were doors slamming, bed shaking, which was terrifying. Uh, apparitions wandered by from time to time. Uh, they were even like physically harmed by spirits. Andrea has said, uh, "We have a respect for the spirits. We lived with them. It was their house first, which I think is terrifying." <laughs> so the house is still haunted. She said there was no exorcism. Um, she said that they did have a seance that went very wrong um, and that what they portrayed in the film is not what happened. She said the seance was scarier and that it was the most terrifying night of her life. Ooh. She would not elaborate very much, though, because I'm sure she wants to sell her book. Yeah. Uh, on that night, the Warrens arrived at the house with a medium uh, parent and her younger sister, Cindy, hid nearby and watched as the medium conjured the spirits who attacked their mother, Carolyn. Uh, Carolyn was picked up and thrown into another room, which the mom is the one that's attacked in the movie. So that is right. What's the actress's name? Uh, Lily Taylor is that actress. Yeah. Um, her body slammed to the ground. The Warren, the Warrens believed that she was possessed, and I'm pretty sure that she believed it too. So, the so they they suspect... took from the what what ends up being the the exorcism in the movie was actually a seance. Is that what you're saying? That's where yeah. they took those events from. Okay. There was no exorcism. Okay. So that was all just for like the drama. Okay. So parents suspects that the medium opened a door that she couldn't close. Mm. The mother, her mother, mm. uh, she said most likely had a concussion from the incident and it took a long time to come out of the condition. So she was like drained and like in a lot of pain. Ugh. 
The dark presence who attacked and haunted Carolyn was thought to be Bathsheba Sherman. And this is the witch in the movie. Right. So she was real. The the woman was real and did live in the home in the early 1800s and was charged with manslaughter of a baby. Hmm. So the story is like fairly true. The treasures were yeah. dropped. A rumor spread that she killed the, the child for satanic sacrifice. Yikes. Yeah. So according to Perrin, the family researched the history of the home and found out at least a dozen people who killed themselves or uh, had a tragic death in the house or on the property. After the seance, there were no more supernatural experiences the home, and the parents lived happily most of the time in the house until they moved out in 1980. Uh, for the most part, she said, we did get used to it, which I think is really scary. <laughs> she said... I guess, I guess you can get used to anything. <laughs> right? Like, I'm not... That is... No, ma'am. The patience of a saint. You know, like, she's like, yeah. well... I'd be like, get the fuck out. Yeah. She said that she saw a spirit that was like a spitting image of herself, dressed as like an old woman in 17th century attire. She says, it means we can seriously consider reincarnation or living in multiple dimensions. So Carolyn sounds like a little wacky. Was that Carolyn who said that or was that Andrea? The I don't know. I didn't note it. Oh. Okay. But I'm pretty pretty sure it was one of them. One of them. <laughs> I think it was Car or, uh, the daughter, Andrea. Yeah. Okay. The, another time, Carolyn spotted two men seated in the dining room, and one man recognized her presence, got the other man's attention, and pointed toward her. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I also I also got stuff that was, like, about Bathsheba. Do you want me to tell you about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear about that. Okay. I wasn't sure. Hollywood said that Bathsheba was a rumored witch that sacrificed her baby and then ran out the front door, proclaimed her love for the devil, cursed anyone who may on the land and then hung herself like that was what they did in the movie because like right. there's the scene with her hanging behind ed um so the true story uh she lived which in is a house very scary visual by the way it's terrifying terrifying visual. my dad liked the movie oh yeah i was surprised yeah because he's like you can't scare him i don't think he was scared but i think he he liked it yeah there's no hard evidence to support that she was really a witch only legend of folklore which is like totally normal but having lived on a neighboring farm in the 1800s suspicion grew when an infant mysteriously died in her care mm. uh the baby was examined and it was determined that the wound that caused her the child's death i don't know if it was male or female was a large sewing needle that had been impaled at the base of the the child's skull oh yeah Ugh. so the townspeople believed that she sacrificed the baby but there was no proof, so the court couldn't really do anything, and the public didn't believe her. So in the book, The House of Darkness, House of Light, Andrea describes her mother, Carolyn, talking to a man that she refers to as Mr. Kitchen, supposedly um, a local historian. And he told Carolyn that Bathsheba uh, treated the help badly and that she starved and beat her staff. So no matter what, I think she might have just been a cunt. <laughs> she was like a terrible person. <laughs> i feel like in the old days it was like if you were a woman who could do math um <laughs> you were a witch or if you were just a fucking cunt <laughs> yeah but that baby did die and they do yeah. describe that in the movie yeah that's sad and and creepy and but i feel like too that stuff used to happen then you know yeah, well, I mean, I think 
I don't know. I think people were probably crazier back then. Baby killing crazy? Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> they, they didn't have no medicine <laughs> for things like that. Nobody was nobody was psychoanalyzing any of this behavior. It was just you're a witch, you're cursed, you're mm-hmm. evil, and you're out here putting sewing needles in babies' heads. Ugh. Now the red flag for witchcraft is astrology. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't ask me my sign, Bruja. Like <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you. I'm never gonna tell you. <laughs> never gonna be honest about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you trick people. You're such a jerk. <laughs> you ask me when my birthday is, I'm gonna give you a fake birthday and I'm gonna let you sit there and tell me all the things that are true about myself that are one hundred percent not. No offense, Rachel. Because I'm a jerk. <laughs> now, see, okay, You're good so at it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, You're welcome. I so in the Boston Globe article that I was reading about the the um the house now, um the the couple that live there, um, whose names are Corey and Jennifer Heinzman, I think. Is that right? Corey and Jennifer Heinzen, who own the house now, which is called the the old Arnold estate, I guess was the the uh, official records name for it before they bought it. They changed the name now. I can't remember what it's called. It's like the the house on something something road. Um But they said that through a bunch of their research that there haven't been any violent deaths in the house that there have been battles in that town that would have seen death maybe happen on the property but there hadn't been any in in their research anyway any violent or weird mysterious death and that Bathsheba Sherman didn't live on the property she just lived down the street did you say that in yours no that I mean, but this is also mostly coming from the parent family. So, yeah, I don't know if, if that information has now been, uh, if just new information has been discovered or if the parents were operating on bad information or if Carolyn Perrin was just following her wacky whims. And well, So the one article that I read, uh, which was History versus Hollywood, was the site that it was on. And that said that she was a real person and lived in that house. So maybe it's morphing into, yeah, you know, it works better for them. Yeah, totally. Now, what you got myth busting stuff, right? I sure do. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Ed and Lorraine Warren, real couple of pieces of work, those two. <laughs> Cash cows. Total cash cows. So I, I think, I think the Conjuring um, series has done a really great job of making them likable. I think I've said that to you before in conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> because Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson are really good actors. I think they're both very attractive, very charming, and I think they maybe paint them in a little bit better light. Although, from what you've told me. People did seem to like Lorraine a lot because she was very warm and caring and Ed was kind of a brute. I did think it was really funny uh, in the movie when they go down (laughs) into the basement, when they have all the guys there and they're filming in the basement. And first of all, he says, keep let's keep the cellar light off. So, so typical of ghost hunters. 
who are like, yeah, they'll never just turn the light on because then they'd get something. They'd actually see that there isn't anything going on. So they keep the lights off so they can shake their cameras around and make it seem scarier than it than it is. And I thought that was so funny. And do you ever watch the show Ghost Adventurer? Ghost Adventurers, I think is what it's called. Wait, the original one with the plumbers? Oh, wait, you're talking about the stupid Zach Baggins one? Yes, yes. And Fucking I, I, I always called that show Bros Hunters. Just <laughs> <laughs> accurate. That's what Danielle Robinette and I used to call that show. He, because he basically goes into the house and is just like, where are you at, ghost? Come on out. Show me where you are. Come on, fight <laughs> do, me. Like, he's such a do jerk. a great impression. Thank you. And I felt like Ed Warren was probably the original bros hunter because I know <laughs> I know that, that that scene is sort of a, a copycat of a video that they actually have, a video recording they have, uh, where he's down in the basement going like, show yourself, <laughs> like yelling, oh my God. His, like daring these ghosts. So I, I, in my notes, wrote that Ed Warren is the original bros hunter. <laughs> you can see how he was maybe a little bit more of like a brutish guy and uh coming in there and ham fisting his way through <laughs> through a paranormal oh. investigation. <laughs> he has like the real one from like the pictures and stuff that I've seen has like yeah. a used car salesman vibe. He does. He looks like he's going to sell you a Pontiac lemon. Like it's just <laughs> going to break as soon as you drive it off the lot and he's going to go, I can't, can't help you. Um, Lorraine is, uh, you know, sweet lady clairvoyant my favorite scene in the movie is when she picks up the photo on the mantle and goes hmm nice day at the beach (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't make sense until later and then you're like oh that's why that was weird well and then lily taylor goes how did you know and then proceeds to tell her (laughs) about the whole day at the beach and this is the thing folks I think I don't think that people are psychic. I don't think that Claire that be that that people are clairvoyant. What happens is they pick up on very easy context clues. She picked up a picture off a mantle that had a clear sky in the background and knew that area well enough to know that wherever they were that wasn't heavily covered in woods was probably the beach. And she took a guess. Mm. <laughs> and then because she has told these people, Oh, I'm clairvoyant, I just see things, you end up Lily Taylor, much like any of us who would be in a situation with a person like that, you end up telling them the whole story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like the psychological state that like someone is already in, like Lily, the woman is already like freaked out and scared. Yeah. So So in in real life, Carolyn Perrin um, had actually given her journals to Lorraine Warren when they first started coming over to investigate what was going on. Oh, also the Warrens were not invited. They rarely ever are. They tend to just show up. <laughs> with they this. can smell money. They it's really like can. They really, really can. They they tend to show up uh, much like with the Perrin family. Um, they showed up to like like a day or two before Halloween. They're always doing something like that. They're always coming on the on the eve of a pagan holiday or ritual, and and so that they can capitalize more on it and be like, oh, it was the mm-hmm. you know creepiest day of the year. It was a stormy night, you know. So they had they had come uh, uninvited to start investigating. Carolyn Perrin, who was a highly impulsive person. She went and looked at that house and made a down payment without consulting her husband, Roger. 
even though they had oh. like no money. She just saw that house and was like, I want it. Put down a down payment. Didn't even talk to him about it. And he was reluctant. The family moved in. She had become very new agey and was had grown up Catholic. I think they both had grown up Catholic. So having that background of the occult and uh, had gotten into sort of more of these uh, uh, new agey spiritual practices. And she would do things like have fainting spells, mostly when she was standing next to the fireplace in front of Roger so that he would have to rush over and save her. Oh, and Roger was gone a lot. He worked. I think they 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 that was pretty true in the movie. They have him as like a long haul trucker. I don't know if that's what he actually did, but whatever he did um did take him away for long periods of time. So he was pretty absent. And they had a lot of fucking kids. They had five kids. That's too many damn kids. So it doesn't surprise me that perhaps a woman who is maybe already a little bit out there is totally stressed out by mostly raising five uh, kids on her own is, you know, has a strained relationship with her husband uh, that she's going to, she's going to pull some stuff. She's going to be out here making up some stories to, to try to get, try to get attention. So she had given Lorraine Warren her journals because she had gotten really into the history of the house. And that was how the Warrens found out about the Bathsheba stuff. Lorraine Warren maintained that it was because she had had some clairvoyant vision and had figured it out that something terrible had happened in the house. But really what it was was that Carolyn had been keeping meticulous notes on the history of the house and the paranormal activity that had befallen them. So Mm -hmm. she gave her all the information. She just gave her all the information. And the Warrens, ooh, they really, they know how to make a, a, a pretty penny. So they were running with that stuff. Uh, I was I mean, reading on my far. Totally. Oh, it 100% did. They were very successful. <laughs> and and can I also tell you um just a side note cuz you were talking about the what's the actor's name that plays Ed? Oh, uh Patrick Wilson. So my dad, I told my dad when we were watching I was like, "Oh, I don't like him." Like and I don't like him. Yeah. And we've we know why. Right. But hard, hard candy really did you wrong. <laughs> it ruined it. It was the only thing I'd ever seen him in. Um, if you've never seen Hard t- Candy, <laughs> Maybe don't just read about it, but <laughs> <laughs> just give it a Google and give it a quick Google liking him. My dad goes, you mean Chris Pratt? And I was like, no. And he goes, the guy looks just like Chris Pratt. He, he does. Kind of does. And it's all I can see now. <laughs> I was reading on my, my new favorite website, the skeptical inquirer. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I love it. I'm into it. I actually knew who this guy was because I have watched videos of Ed and Lorraine being interviewed, and he has been like a longtime um, uh, challenger of them. So mm-hmm. he, I knew who he was uh, and had found his writings through researching some of this stuff. Um, and he has this magazine and, and now a website. But he was talking, he talks a lot about, uh, he has an interview or an article on the website called The Conjuring Ghosts, Poltergeists, Demons. And those are all question marks. So ghosts, poltergeists, demons? <laughs> and, and so it's a really, it's a cool article. It's it's where I got a lot of information. And he has all the, the um, he, he cites all of the references that he uses in it. A lot of it is from, Andrea's book and some of it is from 
a couple other articles that he and another guy wrote and then some stuff from Ed and Lorraine. So he was talking about the daughters a lot too. And Andrea is the one who wrote this book, House of Darkness, House of Light. So she's she's been the one who who's spoken the most about what happened to all of them and totally maintains that that this this did actually happen. They weren't making it up. The only one who never said that anything happened was Roger, was the dad. He never he would never admit to any kind of he 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 didn't experience any paranormal activity. Oh, and really? Not not that I could find. It's all mostly the it's the mom and the and the girls talking about it. And Roger was there when they did uh, the seance, but really just thought as and I agree with him <laughs> that Carolyn was playing up to the fact of what she thought was supposed to be happening and got herself worked up and into a state. And she did hurt herself. She flew out of her chair and knocked her head on the floor. And he had to go try and revive her because I think she was knocked out for a minute. Apparently, oh my God. Ed Warren came and tried to stop him and he punched him in the nose. <laughs> I feel like it. that's a punchable face, though. Yeah, right? Doesn't that, doesn't that sound good? And, um, <laughs> And like demanded that everybody leave, so he he ended it as soon as that as soon as that happened. As soon as she got to the point where she was flailing and hurt herself, he was like, "This is we're we're done. Get out of here." Uh, but the daughters, so the daughters really really went along with all of this. Andrea is the oldest. She was a very spirited young lady. She in one of their old houses. It was vandalized somehow, and she figured out the boy that she thought did it, and she beat him up, she jumped him, broke his nose. <laughs> oh, I like her. There's something about nose breaking in this family. <laughs> <laughs> They're just not afraid. Not afraid. Uh, and she was kicked out of a confirmation class for arguing with a priest about <laughs> masturbation and homosexuality. I think she writes about that in her book. Oh, I like her. Yeah. So she seems like you know she's she's a little little uh, little bossy, little badass. I'm into it. Uh, and then there's Nancy. Andrea says that she's a spitfire. She's highly competitive and was always the one that needed to be first to report sightings. So that's a red flag for me right there. That kid's making yeah. shit up so that people will listen to her and think that she's the one. Uh, what she learned from her mother. Exactly. Exactly. And she used to play with a Ouija board and said that was why um, the spirits were talking to her. Christine, uh, according to Andrea, developed supernatural skills acquired only through the use of sixth sense is what she said and was on one occasion rudely awakened by something wicked <laughs> that's, all, that's all i know about christine i have three dogs and that happens often yeah christine seems like the middle child who is caught up in all of this and it's like oh jesus uh cindy there's so many kids there's so many kids in this family cindy attracted the supernatural unlike any of the other siblings passive aggressive tendencies <laughs> Uh, she was said that she would receive telepathic messages and she the oldest had no she's the second to youngest oh, so okay. it, so it's andrea nancy christine cindy april so yeah cindy cindy seems to have the the the, the most um variety of stories <laughs> because she was <laughs> she was getting telepathic messages she said at one point an invisible entity came to her aid she entered into another realm, another dimension inside the house. Her bed would oh. vibrate, all of this shit. Now, she did say that one time she, her bed levitated and she was screaming her head off. And uh, somehow no one in the house heard it. They were all there. 
nobody heard it. And then there was April, who was the youngest. She was only five at the time that they had moved into the house and was still wasn't in school yet. Mm-hmm. And so she basically was the one that got all of the attention because she was home all day. And the rest of the girls would fight for the same amount of attention that April got because she was at home with Carolyn all day long. So yeah, so classic sort of baby baby stuff where she's getting all the all the time with mom and the other kids are jealous. Andrea, uh, who's the oldest, said that she <laughs> this is a great story. That she used to make them play school, which got if you ever had a friend or a sibling who made you play school, it's the worst. Nobody wants to play school. So she would make them do this. And then said that this was one of her uh, her reasonings for, for poltergeist was that the blackboard would always get messed with. They'd erase it or scribble all over it or mess up what she had written on it. And it's like, girl, that's your sister's. And she always maintained that it was poltergeist. It was not her sister's because they loved playing the game. And I am just like, no, they didn't. They didn't like playing school. And they were messing with you. And they did it because they knew you believed in ghosts and you would never they'd, they'd never get in trouble for it. <laughs> I just want you to know that I don't appreciate your tone and I used to make my friends play school. Yeah, you're the worst. <laughs> I was always the teacher. <laughs> and then I would make them do the homework. <laughs> yeah. And did anyone did anyone mess with your blackboard? I would have messed with your blackboard. It was a dry erase, okay? Oh, I'm sorry. You were very high tech. We were classy. It was a very, very... tiny dry erase that I, I'm sure it was like stained pink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. That's it. I mean, I I think <laughs> I, I think as with, with most things that this is this is the story of a family with parents who are in a strained relationship a a mom who already believes in all of this stuff and is ready to believe that this is what's happening to them and i think the kids went along with it as a way to sort of stick it to their dad because he was never around and he was the one who he was the only one who was ever objecting to any of it and so they just kind of ganged up on him and not that i'm ever trying to like defend a white straight man but um right. <laughs> fuck all I, of them i do think in this instance he was right <laughs> the rest of the <laughs> okay i agree with you though i agree with you though i think that i think that with like most ghosts and you know paranormal experiences mm. that um the human condition plays into mm-hmm. it yeah and it's all about like mood and dynamic yeah i do think that it makes for an excellent story it's a i think it's a great movie i do like this movie a lot i think like i said earlier the special effects are just enough there's a yeah. couple of times that are maybe a little bit on the on the cheesy side on the too big side but not too much in this movie they do it a lot more in the in the next two but but sure not too much of that in this movie i think because it was the first one they really wanted to get it right now they know they can kind of just phone in some of that stuff and people are going to love it because it's a successful franchise i I do think it's more organic Mm -hmm. looking um but 
at the point in the basement where the mom is like possessed on the stair and the chair flips up and spit i was like that is silly that's a lot they lost they took me out a little i was like this is weird that scene is also so gross when she's like coughing up all the blood and she's got the linda blair makeup on and Lily Taylor also has just such an intense face. It was great casting in that regard. She has such an intense face that with all of that makeup, it's it's even more impactful because she yeah. kind of has like a big mouth, you know? And so she's able to just like make some really wild faces. <laughs> and you brought up a good point that the actor's good at finding people that look that have like uh unique features. Oh yeah, that the that the directors are yeah. Yeah, I think that is a strong suit of the nuns a, like a lot that. of exactly the nuns like that. The um, whatever the witch's name is, we'll get into those guys on our next next two episodes. Um, I one of my favorite parts in this movie and a good little special effect that I enjoyed. Maybe maybe you'll agree with me. Maybe you won't. Is when uh, Vera Farmiga is outside folding their laundry why she's doing that i don't know she's outside <laughs> taking all of their laundry off of the just helping out um, what are you doing she's out there just just folding laundry and the wind picks up right and and every it looks all stormy and then the one sheet blows off of the line and freezes in the air as though it's been caught on a human form mm-hmm. and then swoops up to the window and then suddenly there's a figure in the window and it moves and i thought that was so great i love that and it was a a little bit but i i I didn't think it looked too fake yeah it doesn't look too fake and i thought it was a good a good effect it was a nice a nice little creepy creepy moment yeah what's the um it does it does the laundry scene where the Mm -hmm. they're hanging and like he's behind it and michael myers one of those does it always oh, one of those like have a laundry line yeah yeah that's, it was the one that like fucked me up yeah um there's also the uh the dog dies don't ever like anything where the dog dies i honestly had forgotten about that and i couldn't believe that they killed the dog i feel like that's the way to get an audience to turn on you real quick it was kind of yeah, shocking you, i know we didn't like, see it they didn't to. they didn't show anything but still i thought it was an odd choice to to kill the dog so early in the film too <laughs> i know the first night and they wake up and the dog's dead it was like oh yeah that was a rough choice i'm not sure who uh who let that one go but <laughs> it's too much i think my my other biggest pet peeve with like i think modern horror in general mm-hmm. is the heavy that like heavy blue lens how everything's really dark and it's all very blue yeah it irritates me yeah just like turn the lights on turn the lights let's on. just turn up the brightness Mm-hmm. fix the yeah. color yeah i i did feel that this movie had a little bit less of that it was there, there definitely were some some scenes that are a little too dark but not too many i feel like in the second yeah. the second two films we're getting a lot more of that we're getting a lot more of those dark dark can't see what's going on at all yeah they're also like you're right they're way more cheesy mm-hmm. yeah so yeah annabelle was annabelle in this one annabelle yeah this is where we learn about annabelle actually that's the opening of the movie i apologize i said that it was there's like a there's like a b opening yeah where they do the amityville thing where she walks through the house but the opening opening is annabelle is the the people who 
uh, who live, live in the apartment and they, they got the doll as like a fake or, or it was a gift. And they, and actually apparently that, that the way that they told the story in the movie is the way that the, the quote unquote real story is, is that, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a raggedy Ann doll <laughs> in real life, which is far well, less scary. scary. I think they did a great job making a terrifying doll. For the movie. It's so weird to me that that's what scares you. It's so scary. I mean, she's got the Linda Blair face. It's that face. It's those eyes. I can't. I just want to break her little face. Like I just know. I just. Oh I'm yeah. Not into dolls. I just think she's so cheesy that I don't. It's like I. My body. My brain's like mm, no. Yeah, I think she's very scary. But it was a Raggedy Ann doll, far less scary in real life, that they bought, uh, or was given given to one of them as a gift. And they decided to make a joke out of it and would have her sit at the table. And, <laughs> and well, they, there was something about the doll there that it was haunted and they gave like a spirit permission to live in the doll. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it started as just them being them joking around and putting her, you know, sitting her at the table or putting her on the couch when they were like hanging out. And then they did a seance or something one night because it was the 70s and that's what you did. And they came in contact with a spirit of a six-year-old girl who had been killed in a car accident outside of their apartment building. And they were like, yeah, ghost girl, you can live in this doll. And then she started tormenting them. I just feel like, like there were horror movies then. And there's also common sense always. Like Mm -hmm. maybe just don't, don't give inanimate objects personalities. Right. There were horror movies, but you know, it's interesting. Actually, that's something else that I read a little bit about in in researching the Perrin family. So this was in 1970, uh, 71, they, they moved into the house. And then I think, mm-hmm. was it 70, 74? Oh, you know what it was? It wasn't when I was researching. When I was researching Amityville, um, mm. that was in 74. And 79. Oh, sorry. The the DeFeo kill the DeFeo killings were in seventy four, and then the oh. the Lutz family moved in in nineteen seventy five, and right before all of that, December seventy three is when The Exorcist came out, and yeah. The Exorcist was really the first major horror movie that dealt with demonic possession. That was a like huge box office success lots of people were seeing it it was insanely popular the book had been insanely popular and had that sort of based on a true story tagline to it and so you started seeing a lot more of these cases arise where people were saying oh my house is possessed not just saying my house is haunted they were saying my house is possessed or my kid is possessed or my husband or my wife or whatever, that those stories started cropping up a lot more because demonic possession had was in the zeitgeist now because of the exorcist. And yeah, because so many people saw the exorcist and read the exorcist, they knew things about, about exorcism that nobody would have known before if you weren't a, a priest basically because they were the only people who were who were dealing in in exorcisms were priests that are specifically trained in it and so now everybody knew and so you've got these people who who know what it's supposed to look like or who know what happens and how the ceremony is performed and what are some of the things so it's just interesting that uh that 
the power the power of of cinema is what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i think that the exorcist created the format for like every demon movie that came after it and the totally. same thing happened with son of sam where he was like he blamed demons and said he was playing with a ouija board and like mm-hmm. you know same thing that reagan did with like captain howdy yeah and it i mean that is it is the scariest movie of all time like hands down truly the movie wins it's very scary i don't know anyone that it wouldn't scare a little yeah i'm very interested to watch it again because it's been a very long time i still think it's gonna scare me it scared me a lot then i was very young it's like 13 or 14 uh i think it's still gonna scare me at my house in broad daylight i don't (laughs) remember that you don't remember no I'm pretty sure it was you. I have a, I have, a, I'm sure it was because I've been obsessed with it forever. Yeah, but I just have a bad memory. I tried to get William to watch it, and his mom told me that um, the movie couldn't come into her house, <laughs> and that we were not allowed to watch it in the house. Teresa, Teresa <laughs> like, is not right? letting you come in with that movie. It's not coming mm-hmm. in. <laughs> she was like, I don't fucking think so. That's really. It doesn't funny. scare me now. That I can't watch the crucifix scene. Oh with, yeah, no, with, I'm gonna I'm gonna be fast forwarding through that shit. I can't do that. That's gross. If I mute it, I'm fine. But I can't. It's no. just it's like unnerving. I don't like it. But yeah. I don't like it. So yeah, everybody's possessed now. Everyone's possessed. <laughs> so the conjuring, what do you give it? One one out of five screams. <sighs> I'll probably give it a four point five. Not because I liked it, but because it was good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not because I liked it. Not because <laughs> I liked it. Uh, it scared me. Yeah, I I agree. I think 4.5, it's not a perfect movie, but I do think it's good. I think it's, uh, and, I, and I think it's a really great catalyst for this series. I think it's a good first movie. I think that you're right that like this one had to be good for the other ones to be silly and fun. They're like real campy, you know? Yeah. And they can kind of, right. And now, you know, with all of the spinoffs of that, of that universe, you know, the Annabelles and the nuns and all of this, uh, uh, La Llorona and all of that, that, that universe now can, they can do whatever they want because the first movie was good enough. Is La Llorona, is that? It is part of that. Yeah. It's part of the universe. I didn't know that. It's part of the, part of the universe. Yeah. I fucking love La Llorona. Yeah, I'm excited about that one because I haven't seen it. It's fun. The, I mean, the the folklore is really scary, but yeah. it's fun. And I love Linda Cardellini, so I'm on board with anything she does. <sighs> is that the one that played um, Freaks and Geeks? Yes. Is that her? Yeah. I'm very bad with uh, names, like actor names. That is my superpower. I know, because I'm like, hey, who's that person? I'm full of useless information. No, it's not useless. It's pretty useless, now you have but a I like it. Podcast about it. I have a podcast so I can name drop everyone I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we like The Conjuring. 4.5 screams. I think they were making it up. I think that that family, uh, I don't know. I think, I think I'm so, I'm so mean, but I think, uh, I think they were, I think they were bored and living in the country and didn't have much to do. And their mom was maybe a little bit, a little bit out there. I think the mom was definitely a little unhinged. I think that she really liked attention and she would go to a great extent to get it. I think yeah. that there are lots of dynamics there. Yeah, totally. Unfortunately, what sucks is that like, I know you're a skeptic and I don't really believe, but I like the idea of it. Sure. But I think at the root of most of it, it has to do with like 
mental health. Yeah. And, and that makes me sad. Yeah. We're going to keep exploring these stories. We got, <laughs> we got plenty more. We're going to keep going on the conjuring train. We're going to do uh, the second one next time. What's that one called? Don't know. Conjuring 2. I think it's just Is it two. just Conjuring 2? I think the, the, the final one is the only one that has like the devil name. That has a it. name. Okay. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, we're going to do The Conjuring 2 next time, which is based on the the Enfield poltergeist in... One of the most famous. Yep, in England. And yeah, we'll talk about all the stuff that happened to that family and how Ed and Lorraine just happened to show up there too. (sighs) (laughs) We should get a picture of them and put our faces on each of them. (laughs) yep and that should be our that should be our logo that'll be our new that'll be our new uh logo our profile picture on instagram perfect (laughs) all right we'll work on that you have to figure it out all right well okay (laughs) okay bye okay bye Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at the devil made me review it or send us an email at the devil made me review it at gmail.com. 